I saw a couple people on Twitter talking about how Jake's butt gets cold. That's why he he admires her butt being so warm. <laughs> From earlier last season. See, that's that's much more relevant because I was just thinking about how warm Charles's butt is. But maybe that's his ideal partner trait, romantic or friendship wise. Oh my god. Welcome to Back in the Field. My name is Carl. And my name is Arthi. And we're reporting live from the past. We're going to talk about Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> what just happened? I just wanted to prove that I can sound more than one ways. I mean... I generally sound one ways on, I mean, on, on the podcasting. I mean, I I feel like I do too. Right? I mean, I do the giggling, but... I've, I, I'm a more monotone person. You're even keeled. That's actually a lie. That is that is a bald faced lie. On no, my I, I am even keeled. You can be, but you can also be very excitable. Yeah, Let's, yeah. Anyway, hi everybody. So today we are going to be talking about the mole. But before we do that, I want to do a couple of shout outs. First to Giovanni Limpassi and Victor Nelly for answering some of our questions about the episode. Also to Rebecca Asher who directed the Jimmy Jab Games. She was cool and answered something from one of our listeners that we kind of passed on to her. Also, thank you, Melissa Fumero, for retweeting us during the live blog. That was super nice. What, what? We heart you. You're the best. We heart you a lot, Melissa Fumero. Listen to our podcast. Also, Carl, can you believe they were talking about us in post-production? Uh, no. I can't believe that. It's so... I know it's true. I don't think they would lie to us. I don't think they're humans of guile. I guess I do believe it, actually. Yeah, I, I believe, guess I do believe it. I believe it. I just have trouble, like, accepting it. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So, beloved audience, we're going to talk about the mole. We're going to do topics this time, but before we dive in, Carl is going to bring you the episode summary. Right. Um, or Arthi can. Whatever. No, no, no. I got this. I'll be less avant-garde than last time. <laughs> Or more. I could do I could do it up Dada. <laughs> could you? Um, I was gonna request that. I mean I'll do that next time. I'll do that next time. No, I've please. got no, I've got a plan. I'll do it next time. Alright, hit us go. In this episode, the mole, a detective from IAB has shown up to investigate uh, reports that there's a mole leaking classified information from the nine nine. He asks Jake a question that leads him to realize that he's left confidential information in his home and apparently all around New York City uh, and uh, Jake enlists Amy to help him track down the errant boxes in the process they discover Boyle and Gina in flagrante delecto that's doing the sexes yeah and this shocks Jake to his very core overturning his claim to Holt that he knows everyone in the precinct perfectly. In the meantime, Holt is shaken by Wunsch, who points out that he his career is falling apart, given that he's being investigated by internal affairs and his drug... Uh, his drug... Task force. His drug task force has turned up no evidence. He puts the pressure on Rosa and Terry, who are who go on to investigate a silent disco. In Brooklyn. I would actually go to a silent disco. Those exist. We can 
I mean, it sounds like you can choose your level of sound, which is my main thing about clubs. Um, you can also choose your own music. I'll explain later. Yeah, yeah. Right. Back to Gina and Boyle. Having been discovered, Gina declares that they are over and enters information control mode. She hounds Amy. Amy tells her that it's fine. More on that later. Why is it so fucking long? Episode happened. Bad thing good. Mole not real. Jake and Holt. Pajamas. Dog bra. Moving on. <laughs> I got bored. <laughs> you got bored listening to yourself? Very similar to the fucking Donna episode summary I was planning, actually. Oh, man. Cutting up the events of the episode and drawing the words out of a hat. It's step one for Tristan Zara. <laughs> right on. Well, um... Yeah, I know about Donna. Come at me, Terry. Don't. You're huge. <laughs> I'm trying to take my mind off the Senate race. It's election day. It is. As right now, the Republicans are plus two, and you know better than we do if the world has been destroyed by the Republicans taking off their human masks and re- revealing their evil lizard faces. Yes, this is a political podcast now. <laughs> Couldn't you tell by the first th- by the tone of my voice in the beginning? <laughs> Florida's currently too close to call, but we've got lizard men either way in that race. P.S. Can we talk about how I forgot that we, when I was living in Indiana that the polls fucking close at 6 p.m.? That's disgusting. Nothing should close at 6 p.m. Well, it's a lot easier now that they've purged all black people from their roles. Fuck the Supreme Court. Oh my god. You're on Tumblr. You already agree with me. Although for my iTunes listeners, I have to disclose that any views I may have are not representative of the podcast or my workplace. Yes, we're on iTunes now, which we'll come back to at the end. <laughs> so, speaking of controversial opinions, Carl, you thought this episode was a little bit weak. I mean, so... <laughs> Am I are, misrepresenting are, your views? Yeah, I mean, you've been trying to fight me about this since I mentioned it as the topic this morning. Fisticuffs. I mean, I think that you let off with, this is such a strong episode, and I was like, eh. Fisticuffs. This would be... Fisticuffs. No. (laughs) This would be a little, this would be like 5% away from being a standout episode in season one. The problem is, so three of of the four episodes that precede this are well above the median of, of last season's quality. I think that this would have been a good episode last season and like uh, like a good enough to mention that it was extra good last season um but this season is not as 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 above the bar as the season has proven to be so far see my position is that this episode has all the things that we've liked historically and is doing them well maybe maybe it's not like going to be a standout at the end of season 2 like we're going to look back and not be like oh you know what episode was phenomenal the mole. We're going to be like, man, the mole was really solid. But like, given that a this is our leap into the sweeps period, I don't know. Are November sweeps still a thing? Somebody tell me. And uh, yeah, podcast listeners, one of y'all will tell me. But are sweeps still relevant? Isn't that a Nielsen thing? That is also the other question because sweeps were really relevant. I remember seven, five or six or seven years ago. But the world has changed. I know significantly so. Netflix Hashtag is everywhere. Beginning of a movie trailer. <laughs> we are both not not even Netflix like Hulu. Like yeah, Hulu is important. 
Hashtags. <laughs> Twitter brands. <laughs> All those things are, are real. And, you know, we, we never used to take into account L plus 7, L plus 3, any of those. So, like, whatever. The point is, like, assuming that this show, because of its showrunners and who they are and where they come from, like, is structured in that sweeps mentality... This is our first episode, like, jumping into, like, a proper sweeps period. We didn't do a sweeps season last year in season one, so it's kind of cool. There, there are trademark things that indicate sweeps time. So, like, celebrity guest stars as, like, multi-episode cameos. And, uh, pri- like, major plot lines for the main characters coming into the front and center. And uh, big shakeups in the like character arcs or in the like ongoing story plot lines and things like that. So in this case, the drug task force, Boyle and Gina ostensibly breaking up. And next episode, we know that Jake gets a new girlfriend. Mm. So. I mean, I'm down for all those arcs to happen, although I generally am not that into the idea of, oh, we brought in a celebrity to do things for three episodes. True. But that's uh, partially because half the celebrities who showed up on Brooklyn Nine-Nine have been playing their fucking selves. Badly. Which, by the way, weren't Terrell Owens and Marshall Boone, not Mar- Fire Marshall Boone, not the executive producer yeah. Marshall Boone. <laughs> Although, hey, if he showed up on the show, I'd be into that too. Presuming he can act. Anyway, uh, I'm sorry, not Marshall Boone. Um, Patton Oswalt as Fire Marshall Boone. Mm-hmm. Weren't they supposed to make an appearance in the Jimmy Job games? The fire department got mentioned in some episode. No, we got up and uh, got mentioned in Halloween too. Terrell Owens is definitely supposed to show up somewhere. And but they already filmed it, and it was a while ago. It might have gotten cut. It might have been. You know what? I bet it's probably something to do with the Ava Longoria appearance. That like kind of it sounds like it shifted some stuff. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I think it has something to do with that. Maybe. Yeah. Let's. Uh, I, I was just saying, though, that, like, for an episode that's supposed to be, like, the springboard into what looks like a really, like, in, a really game-changing run of episodes for this season, this is, this does that. And it does it in a way that, like, incorporates a lot of things that historically we've liked. Uh, plots that intersect and interact with one another. All of the characters, like, interacting with one another. Jake and Holt interaction that's, like, both fatherly and, like, goofy. Um... Let's see. And uh, a little adversarial. Yeah, exactly. I agree that this episode had it was it was very tightly plotted. Mm-hmm. Um, the action of each arc informed uh, each other arc in sequence, like it dominoed together. Mm-hmm. I and the characterization was strong and it moved the show in interesting ways. It just didn't wow me. So no, I mean I don't want to I don't want to make a huge deal of it. It's just no, it's legit. I mean I don't want to. I don't think we need to talk about it more than that. I will say the, the the segue point I want to use here is that I thought the episode was super nicely balanced. We You mentioned plotted, and I, I think that sort of is what I'm trying to say as well. Like, we, we got a good amount of screen time of all the, like, permutations of all the characters. Um, so I guess let's kind of, like, talk through some of those dynamics. So, like, Rosa and Terry was probably, like, I've been, like, I've been, like, giggling at the gift sets from their stuff. I really enjoy... One of the things I like about how their dynamic plays out is not just that it takes really... It really makes best use of the fact that, like, Rosa will tell you when you're full of shit or when you've done well. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think anyone else could have been as persuasive to Terry there. But also, like, it just... They're, like, they go undercover together. 
That has happened more than once now. I know that it happened in Broken Feather. I don't know if it happened in a canonical episode. Oh, the the Hawaiian shirts? Yeah, that's what happened in, in Broken Feather. Uh, beyond that, I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think that um, it shows Rosa, like, respecting Terry. Because she would give other people a lot more shit along the way. Uh, since their part takes place in Silent Disco in New York City, the main proprietor of Silent Discos is a company called Quiet Events. Mm-hmm. I was I was mentioning them in our in our live tweet. They have a they have an event coming up. We should go. Maybe it could be fun. It it what what amused me about that is that the the way it was filmed. Somebody was responding to me in my live tweet, and I think she and I had seen the same Smallville commentary, which is that. Dance sequences on TV, like big parties like that, are always filmed without music or like with music quite quiet because <laughs> they added in in post production. And uh, so that silent disco is great because it's like a double joke because <laughs> it's like this is weird this and is also what would be anyway. this is ex- actually how it's being filmed. I really like the way that scene was filmed, like Terry taking off the headphones and looking confused was was great. <laughs> comedic bit also that was prentice penny's son in the flashback oh sweet <laughs> he was tweeting about it a couple days beforehand and then like he could dance yeah <laughs> i was like please tell us what your son does when he sees himself on tv oh i um there was something i wanted to talk about in rose and terry's arc which is i've noticed a trend this might not actually be pulled out like be carried out by the show but I was thinking about Ava, the Giggle Pig distributor, and it occurred to me that while the show is, like, trying to make the war on drugs out of some kind of heroic endeavor, it also is pretty humanizing to drug dealers. Like, this is the second uh, drug dealer that I've had, like, a feeling of connection and admiration to, and I don't think that's an accident. I also think that... Um, it's more likely for the POC criminals to be, like, uh, drug crime criminals um, and be portrayed more sympathetically, whereas, like, if it's a murderer, it's going to be some fucking white guy. Like, which, like... Is that... True numbers <laughs> in real life, by the way. White people will fucking kill you. Like, I think that this show is not trying to portray the war of drugs as a strictly, like, positive and heroic thing, and it's, like... Yeah, Terry should feel kind of weird about this being the person who's, like, pushing Giggle Pig. But she's right. It takes a cool head to, like, deal drugs. I'm not saying dealing drugs is a good thing, either. Um, the Dems are down three seats in other depressing segues. I was going to say, are most of the murderers on, that we've seen on the show been white? Ratko. Ratko. I'm in love. Cool mode of still murder. Oh, man. The Disco Strangler. Well, uh, the Disco Strangler. The Freestyle the, Killer. The Freestyle Killer. There haven't been a lot of murders, actually. I mean, we just named a number of serial killers and a hitman. I meant relative to other cop shows. Castle, yeah. Castle. Me and me and forty million years were talking about this. Castle only has. They're a homicide unit, so they right. only investigate murders. Sure. Whereas, like, you know. Yeah. By the way, I tweeted out a background picture from this episode. There are other detective units in this building. There's Vice and DEA, which is not a police unit. That's definitely a federal unit, just for the record. Uh, I believe you. And uh, 
there's other, but it's like and robbery and auto and it's like all of these are in this in this building and and this one and this squad is just detecting they do all things <laughs> they just detect speaking of cars that were awkwardly placed in the world i get to do an rv segue that sucks <laughs> I'm so proud of you, Carl. I saw it happening, and I was just like, I was, I was Jake in charges and specs during the what's up. I was just like, I was so proud of you, Carl. Uh, I did I, it. Remember that time I called you Charles? Um, I think we cut that. No, it became the intro. <laughs> that I know a lot of people in fandom were giggling about the product placement. I actually was less bothered by it than I think most people, but I also missed it the first time. I mean, I didn't. I I could tell that it was product placement, but like I couldn't tell what car it was for, so I didn't really mind. <laughs> we only see the Jetta insignia once. That's when Amy shuts the trunk. Yeah. Anyway, as someone who works for corporate America, I'm fine with them selling out if it means they get to keep making Brooklyn Nine Nine. <laughs> That, the thing about that product placement is that I totally believe a Volkswagen Jetta is the kind of car Amy Santiago would drive. That's accurate. Except she can't buy a fucking car. She lives in fucking Brooklyn on a fucking police detective's salary. She she must be doing well for herself. That's all she, that means. I mean, this, they did introduce her getting a new car in the same episode where it's shown that Thursday is her checking her weekly budget day, which I don't have a weekly budget. Um, but did this entire episode take place on a Thursday? Thursday into Friday? Uh, no. Wait. The, they're all wearing the same clothes in the intro. No, that does, because it actually matters, because, like, Jake doesn't sleep at all. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Still isn't unity of time, but uh, the Greeks <laughs> can suck it. <laughs> can we talk about uh, Jake discovering Charles and Gina? Uh, Amy was there, too, but yes, yeah, let's. Obviously, Amy was there, too. I, you know, before the episode started, I had been thinking that, like, it, I thought maybe they would switch. Like, Gina's like, I'll go for Amy, you go for Jake. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, I, I wondered if maybe everything would go comically awry, and then they'd end up, like, switching, like, changing dance partners, so to speak. And so, Gina would say to Jake, I need you to not tell anyone. And Charles would be like, yo, Amy. <laughs> I've got to murder you now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but that that I mean, like, that it didn't work out. That the emotional way. beats would be wrong. Well, I don't know I, because so I was I, telling I was telling my parade that um, if Gina told Jake, like Jake would actually take it seriously. Yeah, but... I mean, he takes Charles seriously, but maybe. But actually, actually, we never see Charles talking to Jake about it. Yeah, we do. Did I? I mean, after right like, after, but like that. Right after, and then at the end. And in the middle, Jake is trying not to be kicked out of the force for being a mole. Right. So, so. <laughs> not much time. <laughs> that we I just pointed out this episode takes place over the course of, like, 18 yeah. hours, too. I'm the worst. Um, so, like, I like that it happened this way uh, because, A, it, it uh, puts more fuel on the fire that is your canon of Amy just having shown up in the precinct because she has a text on her phone. I fucking hate from you. Gina I fucking hate from you. 2009. I fucking hate you, fucking hate you for five bringing that years up. Ago. How fucking dare you? I hate you so much for bringing that up. I was hoping. It's in the story I Bible. Hoping, I was hoping you would let that shit go. And then no. Well, it's your fault I'm doing a podcast where I have to rewatch the episodes. <laughs> You know what? Ultimately, this is my fault. Because I was going to say, hey, Carl, you know what we should do? We should do a podcast together. Yep. Because I love all our conversations about Brooklyn Nine-Nine. 
fucking this is my fault. <laughs> this is my fault. I mean, really, it's I'm your fault cry. for getting this invested in your head <laughs> It's really my fault for even watching a Sharon Gore show in the first place. What was I thinking? What? <laughs> Were they all phone reliable about paper products? Actually, the opposite. The Office had a a show bible when they started that was fairly detailed, from what I understand. I mean, it does seem like they're filling in the corners of Amy's backstory. God bless. Uh, no, I mean, after the fact, in a way that's inconsistent with your like with your expectations based on the first season. I will give you that that is a painful thing to happen when you're invested. It's it's just the the winds have clearly turned. And the sacrifice of Iphigenia, in this case, is your headcanon. I know. It was a sweet summer child, <laughs> but it has been fed to Poseidon. I know. Or Zephyr, or whatever. Who the fuck does Iphigenia get sacrificed to? Fucking Iliad reference! <laughs> so while you, while you look that up, I was going to say about Boyle and Gina that... One thing I've noticed is that Gina's always the one who in, seems to initiate slash set the terms of their relationship... Absolutely. I, I, which makes total Artemis. Sense. Huh. It's Artemis. Cool. Artemis is one of the vindictive ones. Indeed. I just realized, like, they can't hear when I make an expression at you. <laughs> it's weird. It's weird. Like, you can't hear facial expressions. Anyway, uh, Gina is always the one who seems to set the terms of their relationship. I, I, I kind of wish they were still sneaking around i i really liked seeing the dynamic play out i saw some meta on tumblr about somebody being like you know it's kind of maybe gina's way more invested in this relationship than boyle is and i'm into that for a lot of reasons but mostly because i think this episode kind of plays that out right this is boyle like boyle's like i never proposed yeah like yeah. he had sex 16 and a third times which depending and didn't propose and and like Fifteen of those times were in the last month. Yes, you are correct. I wonder. I wonder. If she, do, and do a you, third. Do you think she counts every encounter as one or every uh, initiation? I don't know, man. I if I yeah, I <laughs> regard if 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 it's every encounter as opposed to initiation. Um, that's every other day. Like that's yeah, a, that's what that averages out to is every other day because she says only about a month ago. Like, that's a lot. That's yes, hang- it is. That's hanging out more than I see anyone in New York. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> anyone that I'm not working with, I and don't like, see nearly that often. They were wearing, like, matching robes. I don't know if you answered this this ask already, but I'm really into the headcanon about Holt having explained proper guest rights to uh, Gina, which is why she has a separate wolfy robe for... Boyle, when for he's Boyle. visiting yeah, her place. Yeah, that's... That's, uh... Genius. I, I felt that. It got you in your heart feels? Yeah. Beca- First of all, that was from our not Chelsea Peretti Schrodinger anon. Like... Nice. Maintain that, that, uh... That balance until Chelsea Peretti has to come into our mentions and, uh, smack you down. <laughs> but I do love... I, I, I really hope that that prediction about Gina being more invested comes to fruition. Uh, I think that what's really going on is Boyle's much less invested than he expects from his normal. Mm-hmm. And Gina's much more invested than she expects from her normal. Yeah. Which doesn't mean she's more invested than him. Because he invests harder in things. That That is fair. Yeah. Man, I... So I know this isn't going to cause any surprise for our listeners. But I really dig this pairing. I really feel like it's giving me what what I want 
I, I thought that in this episode, like, when Boyle asked if she had any regrets and she said no, that I just felt that really intensely. So did he, I. He needed her to affirm him and she happily gave him that. And it was just so, like, positive. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, this, th- that hit me at a deeper level than, than anything I've seen out of uh, Jake and Amy. Same. Same. It, it, was, it was an unnecessary kindness. Gina didn't have to do that. She didn't have to, but, I mean, I wouldn't say it was unnecessary. I think that she had a choice between kindness and cruelty. And it would have been a real cruelty to have... She decided that she was going to approach the situation with an unrelenting degree of honesty. And she's been kind of disowning their relationship the entire time. But then, like, in ending it, she affirmed it and and said that it was a good thing. So, like, definitely not over. No. (laughs) There's no fucking reason for it to be over. Plus, like, they have such great chemistry in their weirdness. Yeah, like, I mean, sure, it's an outlier, but, like, she said it was pretty fun. They had sixteen times. They had sex sixteen times in a month, and so the sex was adequate enough to have it sixteen times in a Which, month. Which, by the way, <laughs> adequate for Gina is probably like on oh. a whole other level. I mean, bike messenger are better, but <laughs> there's 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 no emotional reason for it to be over because she like made the precinct be used to it. Yeah, if they find out again, no one's going to be surprised. Sarge is like, what the hell? <laughs> was so great. And Charles is like immediately like, oh no, panic mode <laughs> was wonderful. Yeah. But you know what the best part is? Is not not just like Boyle being like, yes, after like when she's like, you know, no regrets. Mm-hmm. It's it's the extras in the background responding the same way I did. How, how were the extras responding? Because I was focusing on the blurry Jake and Amy and Rosa. Jake is super proud of Gina for getting up there. You can see it in his face. Mm-hmm. And and Rose is kind of like arms crossed, but in a good way. Like all of our predictions about her like discovery and it being like a blood fest were totally wrong. Yeah, like this episode went in a really different way than I expected. Yeah, like I didn't expect their relationship to come out in the open in this way. I thought it would be a gradual leap. Same. But like, actually, like what I read in Rose's stance is. You know, this happened, and I'm kind of proud that it did. Yeah, I definitely read it as a, like, these idiots. <laughs> like, affectionately. But it, yeah, like, in an affectionate way. Yeah. But, like, in a way that also is, like, we're, re- we're reading a lot into a moment in which she was, to be fair, blurred because she was in the <laughs> background. So I gotta stop. The, uh, the, uh... The extras who are also blurry in the background, though, you can pretty clearly see one of them kind of, like, make the awe face and turn to look at the person next to her. Aww. Like, a bunch of the extras in the background were making the awe expression. So It's I'm into a really it. sweet moment. Like, Boyle is someone who usually over-emotes his successes. Partially because, you know, he wants people to laugh with him. And he wants to share when he's happy. And the fact that all he did was a kind of, like, fist pump, yes, 
I think shows that like that was the moment that was just for him. Yeah. Despite being to- totally surrounded by people. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if I can talk about this more because it affected me so deeply. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, let's let's like lightning round the last couple of topics and then kind of leave on this high positive note. Legit. Before I go drown my sorrows over the imminent loss of free thought in America as the lizard people rise. Or something. So, (laughs) we heard about Teddy, finally. (laughs) We heard that he has a mesh in his underwear. God, I wish we had more from that conversation. Yeah. I wish so much that we had more of that conversation. Uh, I've just realized that we haven't actually talked about Jake and Holt almost at all. Oh no, we have to talk about Jake and Holt. Oh, they're good. It, they're so great. Film is Jacob. <laughs> Problem. And Jake's, I have a bad habit of having Jake's expression during things. <laughs> and, when, and one of those things is when, when he's like, my middle name is Jacob. And he was like, what? And I was like, what? <laughs> just cracking up. He does call him Jacob a lot. Well, sometimes. He called him Jacob when when Jake accidentally called him Dad. <laughs> He's like, I never knew you felt this way, Jacob. <laughs> he calls him son there, too. <laughs> does he? He's like... Uh, he says something, and he's like, something, 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 son. And Jake, Jake's like, stop. Yeah. So basically what I want to say about that is, uh, dog bra. I really liked the tiredness progression. It felt like, it felt like college. It super felt like college. Also, I want people to give me that board of sticky notes. I, I was looking at some of them. One of them said K-pop. <laughs> That's Gina for sure, because her, like... Her headphone ban is because she was listening to K-pop. Really? That uh, it's the World Music Music Collective. They're an electronic dance cool. band from Korea. Cool. And then there's a uh, that was definitely Gina. Also, that's like roughly where Gina's sticky note was on the board. <laughs> ha, hashtag creeping. I love no. Put it on the board after watermelons. Ema M. Also, I have to say about that thing. Um, I my uh, one of my roommates from college. Is exactly the kind of person who would have eaten part of a watermelon and then say that he'd never eaten a watermelon or any kind of melon, and he definitely wasn't eating one now. So that made me really like Rosa. And if you're listening, I miss you, man. Get online sometime. Stop being invisible. <laughs> my my the other thing I noticed on that sticky note board is is uh is uh in Amy's corner it said sheet music question mark. I really, I think that's what it said. That was the best I could make it out to be. And that's even with my, like, tiny HDTV here. Yeah. But, like, I really, I really, really want to know what Amy's part of that conversation was. Like, Terry wants to yeah, send kids to Yeah, they didn't mention it. She's the only one left off of their discussion. She's a very unlikely candidate because she can't keep most secrets and wouldn't be a mole because she doesn't, because she... Wants to succeed. She apparently gets her smoking habit on too hard. Apparently. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, that's... So, Teddy has mesh underwear. Yeah. That's weird. That is super weird. You were saying, well, is there any reason to have that? Um, not that I'm aware of, but there's many and varied facts and preferences in the world. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that Amy's, like, first complaint about him 
is deeply private and personal and about his underwear. Like... I mean, you'd think she'd have more perspective given that Jake just ruined her car. P.S. Jaking it up is the Santiago style of season two. I, I'm into it. <laughs> I think that the mesh underwear points to a level of weird fastidiousness or something. Like, is it medical points to someone who's even kind of more uh, distanced from his own body than Amy is? So my, like, just now thought is that that might indicate a level of sexual dissatisfaction between them. Interesting. But I have nothing to back that up. <laughs> we, we know three things about Teddy. He wanted to go on a couple's retreat. He will go on a couple's retreat. He likes Pilsner's. He has mesh in his underwear. I want the rest of that conversation. I don't. I know it doesn't exist. He, I want it. He shoots targets farmer style. <laughs> and that he makes their overalls fall off. <laughs> and with that, gentle listeners, I bid you adieu. Wait, Carl, we need to talk about Holt's speech. Oh, yeah. That was a pretty great speech. Yeah. I know a lot of people have been like, eh, me, eh, me. I'm like, guys, it wasn't a funny speech. It was a dramatic speech like, played for laughs. If he was going to get an Emmy for that speech, he surely would have gotten it for Homicide Life on, on the, the streets. streets. Yeah. Because, like, that speech, I'm, I haven't actually seen it in anything else, but that speech was clearly him channeling himself from previous roles in a way that is not appropriate to his situation. Which is also funny. It's just... It's just not... It's not what's going to win him best comedic comedic actor, I mean. No, it's not... I mean... The the timing on the slap... Might. Might. (laughs) There are actually other moments in this episode. Yeah, he has fantastic comedic timing. You know what my favorite joke in this episode is? And it's so, like, not remarked upon by the show... Uh, but somebody's coming looking for her Dalmatian coat. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Every time I rewatch that, I forget how much I like it. <laughs> and, like, Jake's expression while he's like, oh, Corella's here. Bye. <laughs> he enjoys that, too. I love it. I like how he's totally keyed into that dynamic. Oh, yeah. I'm really surprised that they went with, like, after the first episode, it would have been easy for things to start warming between them. Mm-hmm. But it's getting worse and worse and worse. <laughs> like, they they hate each other. They, they were, might kill each other. They really... This is apparently Kira Sedgwick's last episode for the, with, with the oh, show for a while. Oh, because Holt won. Yeah. Well, Jake won. It's a definitive Holt. win for a while. I mean... That video was so great. Yeah. That video was so great. <laughs> a flair for the dramatic... <laughs> <laughs> they clearly filmed it after night when they were up at 5.23 in the morning. Because <laughs> it's the kind of thing that seems like a good idea. I need old guest pajamas immediately. I need those. Those are so great. We bury it to his house. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, just one bus ride across the park for Ar- me. Arthie's going to go try to find Holt's house. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess me- I'll see you <laughs> next week when Arthie's in jail. <laughs> <laughs> meanest thing you've ever said. That might be the meanest thing you've ever said to me. <laughs> and with that, gentle listeners, I bid you adieu. <laughs> okay, wait. Alright, so... <laughs> no, it never works. I'll cut it and add it to the end. <laughs> cool. Okay.
Okay. I'm just going to say it again. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I like this better. So, a couple of, like, housekeeping things. Um, we mentioned earlier, we are on iTunes. Woohoo! You have to look for Back in the Field. I'm going to work on making us more discoverable. I'll find a way. I'm pretty good at that. In the meantime, you can do your part by uh, uh, rating us on iTunes. Uh, reviewing us would be great. Yeah. Um, really, these kind of numbers matter a lot for search engine optimization. So if you want more people to share your weird addiction to our weird addiction to this pretty great TV show, <laughs> uh, you can do your part. Yeah. Plus, this way you guys don't have to check our Tumblr or you know our Twitter or SoundCloud.com for updates. They'll just be sent with automatic programming to your phone. Just bam. Instant If podcast. you have an iPhone, I guess. I thought it's just if you have iTunes, period. You can't get iTunes on anything but an iPhone. I have it on my PC. Oh, yeah, but not phones. Oh, yeah. Google. <laughs> and speaking of spooky voices, I was Jake Peralta for Halloween. I reblogged those pictures. I was mega cute, you guys. I was Dale Cooper. It's not relevant to Tumblr. <laughs> what? No, what are you talking about? My entire corner of Tumblr is just nonstop. Oh, yeah, I know. Okay. But it was for me. It was mostly for, for, for my girlfriend. I mean, I did it. I did Jake Peralta for, for me. Mm-hmm. Because because I, I have a goofy face. May as well use my goofy face to be another goofy face. Last thing. Keep sending us asks. But if you're going to send asks... Okay, we've received a couple of asks asking about my fan identity. Which is fine. You're allowed to ask if I'm this person or that person or whatever. The thing is, though, like, I'm not going to identify myself publicly because I work in tech and it's potentially damaging to my career. Look, at the end of the day, because, like, my job, my day job is, like, my job and, like, my career, I'm probably not ever going to explicitly reveal what my fan identity is. And, you know, if you want to guess, that's great. And, you know, send your reasons for guessing why I'm so-and-so or such-and-such, but, like... I'm not going to tell you one way or the other. Like, I appreciate y'all wanting to know. I get that. But I'm not going to tell you. Like, I'm sorry. But it's for my own sake. Selfish, I know. It's kind of a downer ending. But we've been getting some asks about it. And, you know, I'm sure people are wondering if they're, like, why they're not being answered. Secretly, I am every person that you guess that Arthi is. I'm a master chameleon. The ultimate sock puppeteer. <laughs> and without you to listeners, I bid you do. <laughs> Bye, everyone. I'm Marthy. I'm Carl. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>